And I, I was thinking, what could we share? And so this is along the theme. I, a little afraid. Uh, I don't want this to be too much of a downer. Uh, but we're going to kind of go back in history and look at some stuff. But we're, the great thing about it all is we're going to look at what the answer is to the problems that we face as a nation. Uh, we do have problems. And, and there is an answer. Uh, so we'll just go ahead, right ahead and get started. If you could, let's just bow together in prayer. Lord God, we honor you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you. Lord, no matter what kind of struggle, no matter what kind of problems we face, Lord, there is an answer in you. You are the way. You are the truth. You are life. Father, may we always seek you more and more desperately. Thank you, Lord, for your faithful love and your grace. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Years ago, I, I was able to hear uh, the pleasure of hearing Dr. Lawrence White. He was speaking concerning a trip that he had taken with his two sons to Germany. And um, they visited a town by the name of Oranienburg. It's, it's about 22 miles north of Berlin. A typical town, uh, not a whole lot different today than like, like Pekin. Uh, but, but back in the 1930s, it was a very different town. Uh, 1930s, it was the, it was the site for Sassenhausen. Uh, Sachsenhausen. It was a, a, a prototype of a concentration camp, and uh, I don't know about you, but I've I've always been intrigued by the idea that a nation like Germany, with such a rich Christian heritage, I mean, this is where Martin Luther's from, the Protestant Reformation began here. Uh, I could never wrap my mind around the idea of how could this incredibly uh, Christ-founded people group uh, become uh, a part of something that we know of as the Holocaust. Um, but in Sachsenhausen, the Sachsenhausen, there are hundreds of thousands of people that went through this concentration camp. Uh, today, if you visit, you'll walk through abandoned laboratories where they would do experimentation on people without any kind of anesthetics. If you go in the back of the camp... Uh, you'll find the remains of the old crematoriums where they burned the bodies of the dead. It's a very sad place to be. Uh, near the area uh, of the, the, the crematorium, you'll, you'll find a memorial statue of two uh, emaciated prisoners who are carrying the body of an inmate toward the crematorium. Dr. White and his sons visited a, a few days after Christmas, and there at that memorial was a wreath. And on the ribbon of the wreath was this message. From the Christians of Germany, we kneel before God in bitter regret and humble repentance. And we ask for his forgiveness for the Jews and all others who died in this place. The church is called to stand up and proclaim the truth of God. The truth of his word. The church is commissioned by Jesus himself to share the truth and grace that comes with the gospel. With the world were to share it. And how could the Christians of Germany, how could they abdicate their responsibility to God's word and their commission? In 1934, Hitler was busy aligning everything in the government, every facet of, that made up the country with his socialistic philosophy, including the church. Uh, so he called a meeting at the Reich's Chancellery. Uh, he wanted to meet all the important pastors in the nation. Uh, Hitler's plan was, if it was going to work, he needed to make sure that the church was silent. 
And so as the pastors gathered together in that room right there, um, Adolf Hitler walked in and began to pat people on the back and shake hands and smile and make everybody feel comfortable, make everybody feel really important. Dr. White shares that, that Hitler told the pastors that day that their subsidies would continue, that they had no worries at all about their tax exemptions, they're secure, and that they needn't fear anything when it comes to the Nazi government. But then one outspoken pastor, there's a picture of him. His name is Martin Niemöller. He walked through that crowd and he went up to Adolf Hitler and looked him right in the eyes and he said, Our concern is not for the church. Jesus Christ will take care of his church. Our concern is for the soul of our nation. The other pastors began to step away when he shared those words. Adolf Hitler noticed it. He smiled and very quickly he said, The soul of Germany, you can leave that to me. And sadly, most of those pastors did. And by and large, the church let the Nazis do as they pleased. In ensuing years, two of every three Jews was systematically slaughtered throughout all of Europe. A Christian who grew up in Germany during the Holocaust wrote these words. I attended church since I was a small boy. We had heard the stories of what was happening to the Jews. But like most people today in this country, we tried to distance ourselves from the reality of what was really taking place. What could anybody do to stop it? I remember a railroad track ran behind our small church. And each Sunday morning we would hear the whistle from the distance and then the clacking of the wheels moving over the track. We became disturbed when one Sunday we noticed cries coming from the train as it passed by. We grimly realized that the train was carrying Jews. They were like cattle in those cars. Week after week that train whistle would blow and we would dread to hear the sound of those old wheels because we knew that the Jews would begin to cry for us as they passed our church. Their screams tormented us. We decided the only way to keep from being so disturbed by the cries was to start singing our hymns. By the time the train would come rumbling past our churchyard, we'd be singing at the top of our voices. If some of the screams reached our ears, we'd just sing louder until we'd hear them no more. Years passed. No one talks much about it anymore, but I still hear the train whistle in my sleep. I can still hear them crying out for help. God forgive us who call ourselves Christians and yet we did nothing to intervene. You know, all around us uh, there's brokenness, isn't there? There's brokenness in this community, in all communities. There's brokenness in families, brokenness in personal lives. We... We have addiction problems, and the list of addictions is long. It's not just drugs. Uh, you all know and have heard a lot lately about the heroin addiction problem in America. In 2010, there were 3,000 heroin overdoses that led to death. Four years later, the number almost quadrupled to 11,000 overdose deaths. And we're waiting to hear the latest numbers because everyone's expecting them to be far worse. And we've watched... Over the years, haven't we, as our culture 
sacrifices its morals, its values, its truths in, in the name of what? In the name of freedom, in the name of individual rights. And decisions have come out of Washington and, and it leaves us confused and we're scratching our heads and, and not to mention what happened in most of our younger years, 1973, the Roe v. Wade decisions from the Supreme Court. Since then, we've had almost 60 million abortions. As horrible as Hitler's Holocaust was, it pales in comparison to that number. So, as we gather this week and remember this country, and we are so thankful to God for the blessing of this great nation, for the freedoms that we have, for the freedom to assemble together like this, we don't want to forget history. There's lessons there that God wants us to know and learn to move, to grow from. And when we think about the reality of the situation around us, we can't help but think to ourselves, what is the answer? You know, where do we find the Who holds the answer? And I'm so encouraged to come to you this morning and let you know that the answer is right here at First Baptist Church Beacon. The answer is in, is in the churches all over our country that believe God's word and that believe the truths of the scriptures. The answer is here. Jesus is the answer. And only his church has he commissioned to go show and share him. And we must not be silent. A while back I saw a, a YouTube video. I, I brought a clip from it. Uh, this is uh, the, the Battle at Kruger. Many of you, maybe you've seen this. It's interesting. I, uh, we see in the video a pride of lions. They've just, uh, they've just attacked a water buffalo calf. And as you see there, there are about five or six lions. They're bu- brutally mauling. They're, they're clawing. They're biting. They're pulling at this calf. And all of a sudden you see a crocodile get in on the works. Watch this right here. It, it is something else. A crocodile gets in. All of a sudden, this crocodile has one half of the calf. The lions have the other half. And there's this tug of war going on with this poor little water buffalo calf. It's, it's something. Um, I'll let you know the calf does end up surviving, uh, just so you know, because it's pretty gruesome. But this right here is just a picture of the natural way of life. Th- this is life. This is life in the raw. It really is. And, and survival to the fittest, right? That's the nature's way. You go to parts of the world where Christianity hasn't taken hold, where the truths of Jesus haven't been lived out, and you'll find some graphic, gruesome things that will defy your imagination. You go to India, for example. Less than 3% of the nation of India, over a billion people, less than 3% are Christian. Muslims and, and Hindus, the, the country is mostly made up of. And, and did you know that it, it's a problem in India? It's a, absolutely against the law, but it's a problem in India because the men are taking their wives and burning them alive so that they can marry another woman and get her dowry to share with their family. Um, you, you, you go to the Middle East countries, we've all heard the stories uh, of how a Muslim will come to know Jesus. And the moment they profess their faith, their life's at risk. And families will search out their loved one and kill them. And it's honored among the people. See, when you take Jesus out of the equation, when you take him out of the equation, things that defy our imagination happen. It's natural. It's the way of life. 
Racism, that's natural. That's why all of us, uh, in some way, some form, either the small end or the bigger end, have struggled in some way with this. Uh, Adultery, lying, cheating, completely natural. That's the way it is in a sin-broken world with our sin natures. Uh, And that's why all of us are guilty of those, if not in life, in our hearts or our minds. It's part of the sin nature. We're born this way. It's natural. It's not right, but it's, it's natural. It's a sin-filled, broken world we live in. Slavery, it's natural. And, and sadly, it still occurs in many parts of the world. And it's heavily occurring in places where Christianity has never taken root. The truths of God's Word have never been declared powerfully enough. But we've seen that where the truth of Jesus has taken root, in the Western world, where, where the truths of the gospel have, have been part of the fabric of society, we see that where the church has had influence, uh, where the church has not been silent, there's a whole better way of living. Jesus teaches us that we're to be honorable and honest. Uh, he, he teaches us to not only be just, but to value life, no matter what stage it is. He teaches us this, these truths in His Word, but then He also lives these truths out as we see in the Gospel writings. His life is so much better than the, the natural life. Let me show you what I mean. If you have your Bibles, let's grab them this morning. Let's open up to Galatians chapter 5, if you would please. Galatians 5. If you have a, don't have a Bible and you like to use one of the Pew Bibles, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, we're looking at page 1154 in the Pew Bibles. Galatians chapter 5, we'll begin with verse 16, page 1,154 in the Pew Bibles. I'll give you just a minute to get there. I'm so glad to be able to go to God's Word because in times of of need, times of trouble, uh, we find answers here. This is the answer. Um, Galatians chapter 5, we'll begin with verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The the desires of the flesh, it's the natural way. That's that sin-filled, broken world's way of doing things. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. All of us have experienced those, if not in real life, then in our thoughts. Um. Most likely, they, it's natural. Left by ourselves, without penalty or consequences, we would probably have all partaken in that. I remember several years back, I went to Cosmo, Mexico. Before I was married, me and a buddy of mine were going on a cruise down the Caribbean, and one of the trips was to Cosmo. And behind us in the, on the airplane were two gentlemen. Their wives weren't with them if they were married. And uh, they were talking about their plans once they got in Cosmo. And uh, we couldn't help but overhear them. And uh, you get two grown men outside the country, nobody watching them, left to their own devices and desires, you'll get verse 19. That's what you'll get. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Look at verse 20. Idolatry, witchcraft. Here, here you go. Hatred, discourse. It's discord, jealousy. None of us have ever felt those before, have we? No, of course not. I know most of us met, uh, had a chance to meet um, this weekend, and it was, it was a real pleasure. But since I've gotten to know you a little bit, I thought I'd go a little, get a little vulnerable with you this morning. 
and uh, let you know something about me. What I want you to know is that I, uh, I wasn't always nearly as good looking as I am today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why you're laughing exactly, but because of the way I looked uh, like a real geek, uh, goofball, um, I had a real difficult time with the ladies. And uh, when I would meet a young, attractive woman, I would, uh, I oftentimes would be very rude to her. And the reason why is because I knew I could never have her. And she wouldn't be interested in me, so I would show her that I wasn't interested in her. Before she even had a chance. And the root of that attitude, horribly wrong, was jealousy. You see it right there, verse 20. But jealousy is human nature. Born with it. Verse 20 continues, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. These are all the natural way. This is sin nature's way of life. And, and if left unchecked, it's the way we all will go. We see it all around us. We see it in increasing forms. And... It will continue to increase as long as the church is silent, keeps their faith personal. When we stop sharing and showing the answer, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. And only his church is commissioned to show and share him. And through his church, Jesus offers a belief system, a value system through the truth of God's word. And and where that truth holds strong and is declared with love and gentleness, with sincerity, it holds back the tidal wave of, of sinful nature that would sweep our whole society. You bring a, a, a balanced biblical approach to life, living out God's grace and truth, one Christian at a time. You, you bring about that, it leads to life. I've seen it in my own life. My mom, she lost her virginity when she was 13 years old. She ended up, she ended up going from one boy to another that would show her any attention because her dad died when she was two. She had this hunger for male love. Then she got pregnant when she was 19 in high school. And voila, here I am. <laughs> And, uh, and, and then she went from one marriage to another, to another, to another. She was lost, doing the best she could based upon the world's rules. And it ended in so much pain and so much heartache. Finally, she got on track and started serving the Lord and things began to change in her life. Thank God things began to change in her life. When we do it God's way, it leads to life. When we do it the world's way, the Bible's so clear, it always ends up leading to death. And when the church is silent about the answer, we'll see death increase. The ways of the world increase. The answer is Jesus. And only His church is commissioned to show and share Him. We must not be silent. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is... Now, now the Spirit reference here is to the Spirit of God. See, when we place our faith, 
when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, who He is, what He did for us, that He took on Himself all the punishment of our sins so we wouldn't have to on the cross, that He died, He rose from the dead, conquering the sin nature in us. When we place our faith in Him, we're empowered with His Holy Spirit and He will lead and guide us in the way, not in the natural way that leads to death, but in the way that leads to life. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's not the ways of the world. Love is sacrificing what you want for someone else. Sacrificing what you want for someone else. Sacrificing our feelings, our comforts, our expectations maybe, especially for their better, for them even to know Jesus. The next word there, the the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. You know when you don't have peace? When you cheat on your spouse. When you lie, when you cheat. That's not a life of peace. We continue forbearance, that would be patience. Kindness, goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What would happen if just that last one we could master, huh? Well, wouldn't that be great? Our families would change. Everything would begin to change. If we, if we Christians could just master that last one of self-control. And Jesus wants to empower us with His Spirit that would lead to all of these. Every single one of them. Look at the last part of verse 23. Against such things there is no law. Have you ever been stopped by the police and them give you a ticket because you were too kind, good, faithful, gentle, or self-controlled? <laughs> Have you ever been sent home from work or been reprimanded by your boss because you were too peaceful and patient with your coworkers? Not going to happen, is it? Uh, the, I hope it happens. I don't know. These aren't rules that are against the law, these fruit of the Spirit. In fact, if people were more like this, there would be no need for as many laws and rules as we have. And where does this kind of stuff come from? Where do these attributes come from? From those who have the Spirit of God in them. And, and who are they? Those are the Christ followers who are serious about the call of Christ on their lives. They are His church. The church of Jesus. See, the answer to all our problems as a nation, as communities, the answer to the problems in our families is Jesus And only his church has been commissioned to show and share him. We must not be silent. His church has the message of new and eternal life. More practically, Jesus' church has the message of a better life through him. A better life than the natural way of doing things. Because only through Jesus can that old natural those old nature ways be overpowered and, and overcome by a spirit. See, when you know Jesus, you no longer have to be a slave to that old nature. You hear people raise all kinds of excuses about their sin, but the reality is when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he conquered death, hell. He conquered our sin nature. He's bringing us victory. I want you to listen to Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 7. It says, Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? 
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might may live new life. This isn't talking about the afterlife. This is the here and now. If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. It's a great passage of Scripture. Jesus has defeated the power of the sin nature. The natural way of doing things. He has a better way. His way. And we've looked at that through the fruit of the Spirit. A way that isn't just about you and me. It's about others. Loving others. Investing in others. Helping others to know God and know His life. See, Christianity says love. Don't hate. Christianity says, forgive. The world says, hold grudges. Don't forgive. Christianity says, give rather than keep everything for yourself. Christianity says that we're all made in the image of God, no matter where you're from, no matter what color of skin you have. We're all equally loved, equally valuable, and eternally significant to God. Christianity says, treat others the way you want to be treated. It says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Kids, love, honor, and obey your parents. Boy, doesn't this sound like a wonderful world that I'm describing? Jesus is the answer. And He has only commissioned this truth. He's only commissioned the church to show and share it. We must not be silent. Showing His love. Showing His goodness to to those who don't know Him. And all the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. Because if we don't do that, if we remain silent and keep our faith personal, then faith's influence on society fades. The natural begins to take over and we begin to see what we're seeing. When nature takes over, you see less of the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and the self-control. They're pushed back. Jesus is the answer. And only His church is commissioned to show and share Him. We must not be silent from Monday through Sunday, Sunday through Saturday. We must not be silent. His church, being His church, it affects others. It it affects our neighbors. It affects the community. It shapes culture when we're declaring the truth and the living, showing and sharing it. And it impacts eternity. So I have a few questions as we close. A few questions to consider personally. Number one, are you allowing nature to take its course? Or are you allowing Jesus to be your answer in life? Are you allowing nature to take its course? Are you, or are you allowing Jesus to be your answer? Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Are you allowing nature to take its course? Or are you... Allowing Jesus to be your answer. Jesus wants us to have this new life. He wants us to share and show the fruit of the Spirit. His life is so much better than the natural way. 
He's the answer. Are you allowing nature to take its course? Or are you allowing Jesus to be your answer? Would you bow with me, please? If you were to look at your life right now, today, do you see Jesus? Your actions, your attitudes, your choices. Is He your answer? If not, I encourage you to just confess it to Him. Tell Him. Talk to Him right now in the quiet moments we have. He is so faithful and true that the Scriptures are clear that when we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to be your answer and the answer to the world. Maybe, just maybe you're here today and you've never opened your heart and life to Jesus, trusting in Him, following in Him. He wants you to. It's how we find the new life. Trust in Him, what He's done for you. Just right now, you can pray that prayer. If you've never done this, you can say, Jesus, I'm doing life my way and it's a mess. I'm not happy. I'm not... I don't have any joy. I want a new way of doing life. I want your way. Just tell him, say, I believe you died on the cross for me. You took the punishment of my sin for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. To conquer death and hell, to conquer this sin nature that I have. I believe. I turn from my sin. And I believe in you. Be my Savior. Thank you. With every head still bowed. Maybe you're here and you've been a Christian for years. But if you're honest, as a Christian, you're not showing and sharing Jesus. As a Christian, you've allowed yourself to be silenced. During the Holocaust, it was Hitler that silenced the church. Today, it's us Christians who are choosing silence for the church. And it has devastating effects, as we've seen. Will you commit today that you'll begin to take steps to show and share Christ? Showing and sharing the answer. Showing His love, His goodness. Being a dealer in the fruits of the Spirit. Maybe you can commit with me, together with me right now in prayer. God, I will not be silent any longer. Help me to show and share you because you are the answer. You give power over the natural and bring new life, eternal life. And as your church, I must show and share you. Empower me today, Lord, so that I will not be silent any longer. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Some pretty powerful examples and some very powerful challenges that I pray the Holy Spirit will work deep in our hearts on. And it will make a difference. So please allow that in your heart. All right. Well, Vernon, thank you for that. I'm going to give you some real quick lunch instructions, although we're having the meeting first. And and, then I'll let Terry take over the meeting part of it. But I just want to remind you all, when we get done with the meeting, we're going to go out the back and go down what would be the east glass doors and and go into the kitchen that way. And they'll be down there ready to serve you and and uh, if you need one to go, make sure you, you find Benny or one of the youth down there, and, and they'll pack you, pack you up one. 
So let, let me close in prayer and real quickly, and then I'll turn it over to Terry. Father God, I do hope that you'll take everything that you used Vernon for today, everything that you shared with us through him, and I'm asking you, God, to burn that deep in our hearts and our minds, and we can't walk out of here and be silent. Maybe somebody here today understood the gospel for the first time. Maybe that light came on for them. I lift them up to you. And I pray, God, that they won't let Satan steal that from them, that they'll, they'll accept that, that free gift that's so amazing. And you tell us in, in 2 Corinthians, it's a, it's a gift beyond description. There's no words for it. And I pray, Father, that they'll realize that today. Or if somebody has questions, they'll seek one of us out and get answers. Anyhow, we're going to go out of here today, Lord, and be a great blessing and make a difference in the Pekin area. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.